G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. And we live in an age when our sense of self is deeply shaped by our work. And it's the activity that we spend, well, you know, 38, 40, 50, depends on what you do. Those sorts of numbers of hours each week and generally an activity that we've chosen to do to suit our own interests or sometimes it's what we're doing because that's what the situation of our life demands right now. Or whether consciously or subconsciously, many of us are captured by the mantra, I am what I do. Our special guest this hour is Andrew Laird. Andrew works with City Bible Forum in Melbourne and he's the national manager of lifeatwork.org.au. That's an initiative that's aimed at connecting Christian faith with our daily work. He's got a new book out. It's called I Am What I Do, Reshaping Our Understanding of Self and Work. He's also the former dean of the Marketplace Institute at Ridley College in Melbourne. Andrew Led, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks so much, Neil. I always enjoy being on your program and chatting with you and your listeners. Andrew, you spent years working as a journalist and then as a mentor and spiritual advisor to urban professionals, and work has been at the heart of what you've been thinking about for a long, long time. Yes, it, it absolutely has. And I, look, I think I'm probably not al- not alone in that, that work is a something that can th- dominate our life for, for good or for bad. Uh, well, work does dominate our lives. Uh, no matter what you say, I do this or I do that, or even in my parenting, in my family or whatever, always work and earning a living, uh, that takes a big chunk of our lives. Um, you know, we're, we're sort of working as much as we're sleeping and resting. So uh, uh, your thoughts here on the fact that we do work and the fact that this is something that actually is a godly pursuit and uh, and the, around the fact that, you know, the work we do has some value to it. Oh, absolutely, Neil. The, the Bible is very clear on having a positive view of work. Uh, it's not something that uh, that came in when when sin happened and and things went wrong, but God gave it to His creation right from the very beginning. Something to do, just like He does, be uh, workers made in His image. And so there's something very positive and very satisfying and fulfilling about work. I'm sure you and your listeners know that experience of stepping back and seeing a completed task um, and just the the sense of fulfillment that brings. Just on the weekend, I was pruning the hedge out the front of our house here, and I probably spent as much time looking at the hedge afterwards and admiring my handiwork as I did actually doing doing the job. So there's there's something very good and and satisfying about a job well done. But of course, many of us know also the the pain and the difficulty and the frustrations and the fruitlessness of work, uh, and even particularly for a number, uh, not having work when we'd love to have it. 
You know, I can just picture you now, and there's been some ads on TV of recent times. No doubt listeners will be familiar. You know, we're, you know, advertising a roofing company, and uh, you've got the guy standing on the front lawn and he's looking at the roof and uh, falling in love with the lines, and isn't that just a great roof? <laughs> or, uh, you know, or the perfect front lawn. And I think as you're reflecting on getting the heads just right, I can see you sort of standing on the front lawn and looking at that hedge and going, oh, it's just the best. Uh, Not everybody's like that, but we do like to take pride in the things that we do. Um, Of course, on the other side of that, when we talk about the job that we have, uh, some of us are just going on a treadmill and going through you know, dreadful times at work, uh, even hating the work that we do. And I'm sure that says something about us if we hate the work we do or the aspirations that we might have to get into a better job and do earn more money. There's a lot of dimensions here, isn't there, around what it is that's going to give us some sort of value in the sorts of pursuits we have. Yeah, look, absolutely, Neil. Um, you, you're right in saying that you know we can take great pride in our work, and that's not a that's not a bad thing as well too. As I said, it's a it's a gift from God, and when we've got something we can enjoy, and when uh, we we can be satisfied with the work, take pride in it, and that's a wonderful thing. But yes, equally, just as many, if if not more, of us know the the pains and the and the difficulties of it, and perhaps being in a job that is um, dissatisfying, unfulfilling, um, or particularly in relation to to this book that I've been working on, where we might feel that the the work itself doesn't doesn't impress other people, because in our culture today, as you said in your introduction, there a, a lot of the ways we might think about people, um, a lot of the ways we might think about ourselves, can be associated with what we do or what we don't do in our work, and, and we can base a lot of our self esteem and value and worth, for good or for bad. On, uh, on what it is that we do for work. Well, you know, there might be a, a little bit of a, a, a quantitative and qualitative difference uh, between the person who's, you know, the researcher who's working on a cancer breakthrough and they've got something fabulous uh, that's in the pipeline and it's going to happen sometime soon. And then there's the other person who says, well, my job is cleaning up the mess after people at a restaurant. And uh, I don't feel as though that's giving me a whole lot of wonderful value. Is there something that you can have in common uh, with identity, uh, no matter what work you do? Because this, is, I think, uh, touches on where, as Christians, we need to see our identity. How do you see that, you know, admiring someone else's work and, and despising your own? Uh, what about identity and all of that? Yeah, no, it's a great question, Neil, and 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 a big question as well. And I think what you're touching on there is often our perceptions of work and its value and worth can be can be very much swayed by the culture around us. And it's fair to say that in our culture, some some work is esteemed, uh, other work is is not given much attention, even though it's incredibly valuable and important. And some work indeed is even even looked down upon. And, and so we can we can tie how we feel about ourselves or how we feel about others in relation to how our culture views our work for for good or for bad. But of course, as a as a Christian person, I want to challenge that view, and that's one of the key things doing in this book is that trying to help people see the dangers of tying your value and worth to your work. So when work goes well, um, 
and you can grow proud and that's dangerous but but more often than not it's when work is challenging it's not satisfying us it's not fulfilling us um that can that can create all sorts of burdens and pressures upon us which i believe as a christian person we don't need to carry that the gospel and the identity that we can have in christ can free us from that isn't it amazing, uh, and for anyone who's been a part of a church, uh, you'll recognize this, uh, that when you've got someone who's uh, maybe a high-earning, successful business person sitting alongside uh, that unemployed young person who's just looking to get their career on track, and before God in church, there's no difference. Um, there's something very, very special and very powerful about how we discover and how we, uh, you know, accept and understand our identity. Uh, so what is so special about our God and uh, for people who will mix with one another coming from different walks of life? Yeah, you're absolutely right there, Neil, in terms of that, that equal value before, before God. And really that comes from uh, the, the identity that Christian people have by being in Christ, that is the the Christian person uh, is is viewed by God, uh, the ultimate arbiter of whether we matter or not. Um, he doesn't see our sin and, and our guilt and our failures, but he sees he sees Christ. Um, if our if our trust and our confidence is in Him, and, and one of the passages of the Bible I really like to go to here is the baptism of Jesus, where Jesus is coming up out of the water. And what does God say of God the Father, say of God the Son? He said, this is my Son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Well, the the, the radical and um, wonderful truth of the Christian message is, if you have your trust and your faith in Jesus, then that is precisely how God sees you as well too. This is my Son, this is my daughter whom I love, with you I am well pleased. And that pleasure that God has is is independent of anything we might do or or not do. In fact, is it fair enough to say that this is the encouragement that comes through the Scriptures, that the Christian who leaves uh, the lure of worldly wealth and success aside and goes to serve the poor and the downcast, is this something? Is there something particularly special to note in here as we're thinking about you know, your value as an individual before God? Yeah, no, you're right there, Neil, because one of the things that I think we we have to be aware of is just how influenced we are by what our culture says matters and is valuable. And you think about the people that our, that our culture celebrates. It's the one in those high-profile, success, successful areas of life, whether it's sport or film or work, and yet we perhaps overlook the incredibly valuable and necessary and important work of people who are going about their daily life, caring for people, caring for loved ones, the, the, the work of carers, the work of parents, um, all of this kind of work which goes uh, unnoticed and oftentimes uncelebrated in in our culture and yet in god's eyes he sees that and he sees the the love uh, with which that work is done 
And, uh, and, and that is what matters ultimately. And Andrew, in your book, your new book, I might say, and we'll mention it and uh, how listeners can get a hold of it a time or two, but you say that you're exposing the lure and the lie of finding your identity in your work because lots of us, this is the place where we say, this is who I am because this is the work I do. And, uh, but you're saying there's a lure and there's a lie in here. Yes, very much so, Neil. And I think in many ways the book is trying to expose that because I think it's something that we can be oblivious to, the the degree to which we place our value and our worth in our own eyes upon what we achieve or accomplish. But it's but it's very, very common. I, I start the book by talking about the story of Lauren Jackson, who's one of uh, Australia's most famous basketball players. And uh, your listeners might remember that she retired prematurely in 2016 because she was injured. And at the press conference where she retired, she said, this was my life, my identity. Uh, her, her, her work and walking away from it was more than just walking away from a job. It was walking away from who she is. And I think that that understanding of work impacts us all to one degree or another. I remember talking with a woman once um, who, who had been unwell for a while and she expressed to me how I'm useless was her expression. Um, because she couldn't do things, because she couldn't accomplish things, then she felt like she as an individual was useless. And, and that kind of thinking comes from this tying of our our worth with what we do or, in her case, what we what we don't do. And I, I go on to argue in the book that uh, it's it's quite significant in our culture today where we shape our identity uh, ourselves and, and, and individually and we need to be aware of the, the lure of it and the lie of it in order to be able to address it. Well, I want to invite listeners to join in our conversation today. You might have your own perception here. Uh, you might have your own thoughts on where people find their identity and uh, whether or not that's a short-lived and shallow way of thinking about identity in work. And you might even have your own reflection on how your identity has been shaped by your faith in Christ and has held you in good stead uh, through your walk and through your life and family. Uh, 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join into our conversation. I might mention that this coming weekend on Saturday there is a significant Life at Work conference that's on. Uh, good timing for a conversation just like this with Andrew Laird. The Life at Work conference is on this coming Saturday. There'll be hubs in five capital cities, in Brisbane, in Canberra, in Sydney, in Melbourne and in Hobart and you'll be able to stream this event from everywhere and it may just be along your line of thinking about this being important for the people that you serve in your own context but it's on this weekend at citybibleforum.org and you'll be able to find a link there for the Life at Work conference. You're joining into a fascinating conversation all about our identity with the author of a new book called I Am What I Do. You meet someone for the first time and after introductions, the inevitable question comes, doesn't it? What do you do? We live in an age when our sense of self is deeply shaped by our work. 
It's the activity we spend hours doing each week, generally an activity we've chosen. Sometimes we didn't choose the work we do, and uh, issues around identity affect that as well. Whether consciously or subconsciously, many of us are captured by this mantra, I am what I do. Andrew Laird is our guest. He works with City Bible Forum in Melbourne. He's the national manager of lifeatwork.org.au. He's also the former dean of the Marketplace Institute at Ridley College in Melbourne. And his new book is called I Am What I Do, Reshaping Our Understanding of Self and Work. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. What are you feeling about your identity and your work? Is there some story you've got to tell? Is there an advantage to having Christ as the centre of your personal identity? Uh, These are some of the things we're talking about today. So 1-800-316-316 to join our conversation. Hey, uh, Andrew, when we talk about, you know, the practical applications what it is, if I have my identity in Christ, I'm going to be saved from a lot of hassle through my whole life. In fact, what your book is really pointing to is that whenever you apply your identity in Christ, no matter all of those different things, whether it's sport or whether it's failure or success, somehow or other it comes around the freedom of the individual. How do you contrast this freedom that we have with our identity in Christ with the sort of identity we're getting other places. Yeah, look, one of the the big contrasts really that that I talk about in the book is the contrast between slavery and freedom. And so the kind of um, identity that we've been talking about where we where we feel the burden and the pressure to to form it through the things that we do. I I explore that as being like slavery. It's incredibly burdensome to often feel like, oh, I've got to do more so that people will think I'm valuable and worth something. And not just got to do more, there's also a sense in which I've got to let people know what my success and accomplishments are. And I mean, I can speak from personal experience here, just how exhausting it is to continually feel like I need to keep proving myself and I need to keep publicizing it as well too, so that I have value and worth in the eyes um, of my, my colleagues, my employer, my employees perhaps even. And, and that way of living can be incredibly exhausting, incredibly um, dissatisfying and, and burdensome and, and, and a form of slavery. And so it's in contrast to that that I explore in the book various different ways that having our identity in Christ brings, brings freedom. Taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Joanne, who's in Home Hill in North Queensland. Hey, Joanne, welcome along. Thank you. Hello, Neil and Andrew. Oh, my heart's really bumping out of my chest. I didn't want to be first on. But anyway. <laughs> That's all right. We're privileged to have you first on. Thank you. I, it's a subject so close to my heart. A very quick story. I'm 63, but I wish I would have learnt it when I was 40, and I just think it felt like the wilderness that I was in, that I had to learn that what I thought was my gift was, is I'm a music person, I played um, anything, every every function, church, more church, wedding, funeral, anything, my sisters and I sang, and I got, so, since eight, since eight years old, so I found, and everyone gives you accolades, and I think that's all part of it, 
And I thought, yeah, but that's what I do. And then people said, oh, that's your gift. Man, did I get confused when finally when I hit 40, it, it was going pear-shaped. I left the church and then I just fell apart. I'm like those footballers that fell apart because I thought, what, am, what, what do I do now? I still music teach, but all that was gone. But I know, I know as I know that Jesus is all I needed. I thought I had him though. I had, I had him all through my church and all that, but something was sneaking in like pride. Oh boy, did I put that down. I don't know what it was, Andrew Neil. It's just, you know, especially when you think you're doing it because God wants you to do it. You are touching on some really, I think, uh, deeper issues uh, for all of us here, Joanne. Uh, Your thoughts, Andrew? What are your thoughts for Joanne and her story? Oh, Joanne, thank you so much for for sharing that. I mean, that is uh, that is really touching at my at my heart as well too, because I I absolutely uh, understand and, and and resonate with with your experience there. Very much my story too. And and you're right. It's the kind of thing that we that God and His kindness can eventually do that work in our hearts, and we can look back and think, "Gosh, I wish I'd known this uh, so much earlier in life, and it would have would have saved me all sorts of pain." And I think it's important to say that God does give us these gifts and and they're wonderful um the problem is and 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 i'm as guilty of this as anyone else it's when we take the gifts that he gives us and we twist them and we make them about ourselves and proving ourselves rather than just embracing them and gladly using them um in in service of him and in service of others and so look thank you so much for sharing that story and i I hope I hope you're able to encourage pr- plenty of other people uh, with it as well as you've done for me. Oh, that's my story now, Andrew and Neil, and I'm going to do that for my sister. I'm going to get the book because she's she's 50 <laughs> and it's happening, and I'm like, I can help you there. And she is praying, and I love it. I do love the story that Lord, the Lord leaves you with, but it was just so painful for those years. Really, it was it hurt. <laughs> Joanne, thank you so much for your call. And our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. 1-800-316-316. All these practical applications. And uh, identity covers really just about every dimension of our lives. So if you dig deep enough, you'll find some places, Andrew, where you are holding on to these elements of your identity that are going to lead you into slavery. I guess you need almost like a constant reminder of, of identity in Christ. How do, how do you sort of work on that constant reminder of who I am in Christ and, and trying to put all these other things into context? Oh, look, I'm glad you've mentioned that, Neil, because one of the things I do say in the book is that there's nothing in this book that is particularly revolutionary in one sense. It's such basic truths, isn't it? Um, and as Joanne was just saying there, if you've if you've grown up in the church or spent time at church, then you've, you've heard this before, um, that, yes, I'm a child of God and I'm loved by him. But as Joanne said, and I can absolutely testify to this as well, too, I just need to be reminded over and over again because I just so quickly forget. There's a lot of different ways, um, Neil, that uh, that personally I try and um, do these things. Um, prayer, of course, is always a, a big one. And it is something that I find myself praying about uh, incredibly regularly. <laughs> um, even though I've written the book, I still need to come before God regularly and say, remind me and convict me afresh today that that 
my value and worth is found in who I am in Christ, not what comes my way today, not what great things I might accomplish or what setbacks might come come into my path. Remind me of that. And when things happen for good or for bad, um, convict me of that. But I think also it, it's so important to have brothers and sisters in Christ who are who are walking along this with us and uh, reminding us of this. And so it's so important to invite people, to give people permission to 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 speak into this area of our life and um and be open to hearing the the correction or equally the encouragement that they might provide to say, hey, look, I've really seen how you've changed a lot in this area um, over over the last ten years. Be be encouraged and, and press on. So, uh, simple things like that. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take another call. Margaret is in Perth, WA. Hey, Margaret, welcome. Hi, good morning to you, Neil. How are you? I'm doing very well, Margaret. Thank you. What are your thoughts? Um, I am just coming from the angle of we have such an epidemic of loneliness um, in our society today so that at, when people are working, that is who they're going to be forming their social life with, um, sharing a drink, sharing a meal or whatever it is, inviting one another. And I think the main thing for me is um, because we are such social beings, but it's getting our, the balance and getting our priorities right in that it's God first, then our significant other, our children, family, um, and then our friends. But um, unfortunately, the family structure, especially I have found in Australia, that the structure is completely different and that a lot of our elderly are so lonely and so isolated uh, because that has fallen away and everything else then um, slips away and falls apart. You're making a really powerful point or two here, Margaret, because while we think about identity individually, you're talking about also other elements of identity that overflow to our family and and even to our workplace as well. Andrew, your thoughts here for Margaret? Yeah, Margaret makes a wonderful point. And in fact, I do talk about the loneliness epidemic that Margaret describes there in the book. And and look, there are many, many factors as to, to what is causing that in our, our culture today. And, and Margaret certainly picks up on a number of those there. But one to, that I add to that to consider in the book is that that sometimes our loneliness may actually be connected with what we've been talking about here in terms of our identity. And that is that that when we feel we need to prove ourselves to people, we, we sometimes do put on a mask and put on a good good impression all the time and a good front and hide something of our our true selves, our weaknesses, our, our vulnerabilities because of how we think they will reflect um, poorly on us in the eyes of, of others. And that putting on of a mask, I think, is just another thing that that uh, contributes to us being removed and distant and isolated from from people. And so I actually say in the book that when we embrace this identity in Christ, it it actually frees us up to be more honest, more open, more real, more more vulnerable. And in my experience, that when we're when we're vulnerable 
with one another. Um, that that lets us a little bit more into other people's lives and them into our lives. And it and it goes some of the way, not all of it, but goes some of the way to addressing that loneliness that Margaret's talking about. Margaret, anything further to add? Oh, no, I totally agree with what our speaker is, is saying there. I work in the health environment and um, can see the, the isolation and the loneliness in a lot of people. Um, and as you say, this is the epidemic that unfortunately we're living with. And I do find, and it's my encouragement, unfortunately, again, the Australian culture doesn't lend itself to the discussion of um, Christian Christianity or in South Africa, for example, we would say to one another, I will see you tomorrow after church. It is a common phrase. So that is what we do. Not here. It's just not spoken about. It's not commonplace unless you really know that this is a Christian person. This is who I can share it with. Margaret, really good thoughts there. And uh, you might have your own insight here, Andrew, on our Australian culture too. Uh, no doubt you're a deeper thinker around our Australian culture and our identity. Um, is what Margaret's saying right there? And is there something perhaps as individuals in families we might be able to adjust? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think... Um, Look, not just Australia, but I think in many, many Western contexts today, like um, like the US, the, the UK, places where this individualism is is so dominant, we don't have that collective sense of self or the the idea of, of, of thinking about ourselves in relation to others, a, a communal way of thinking about ourselves. Um, yes, this can be um, far more prevalent or certainly prevalent in the ways that we've we've been describing it but one of the things i do in the in the opening chapters of the book is actually contrast some of those cultures that do have more of a collective sense of self than the the western individualism and while there's wonderful strengths to that that way of thinking about ourselves and thinking about ourselves in relation to others um, I, I go on to unpack just some of the dangers equally of that as well too and that that ultimately the the solution to our identity formation comes not from from uh, the, the individualism where I create it for myself or the collective sort of way of thinking where it's formed by the people around me. Um, there's good things in those, but ultimately it's got to come from my heavenly father because that's the, the one identity that will be firm and immovable. Margaret in Perth, thank you so much for your call. Talkback line open 1-800-316-316. Interestingly, as we're talking about how identity forms, uh, it might be something that happens as you humble yourself in your own personal prayer time, but the way we gather together as a group of related believers at our local church or in a small group setting this is seems to me to be a powerful impact on how our identity actually shapes at the end of the day. Thoughts here from you, Andrew? I look absolutely agree, Neil. That um, that the Christian community is is such a, a valuable thing for refining us and shaping us and um, and helping us um, walk and live in ways that God intended us to in in relation to into other people and to pick on something you pick up on something you mentioned way back at the beginning of the conversation the 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 
the egalitarianism, if you like, of where the person in, you know, the, the senior role in the, the workplace, the CEO, and there's someone who's laboring behind the scenes whose work never gets noticed. And yet, in church, on the pews together before God, uh, of equal value and worth. And and this is where I think the, the both individually as we embrace this truth, but also collectively as a church, as the people of God, it's a wonderful, refreshing, attractive witness, I think, to to a world where where people are feeling, you know, a real burden to, you know, make something of themselves and and, and prove themselves to 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 walk into a Christian community and see that that that's not there. There's no n- need to prove ourselves to one another. I think this is um, something that's very powerful for Christian witness. And would you say that if you're outside of Christ, now let's just make a little bit of a uh, uh, a, 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 a division here and say, or someone who's, you know, they've left the church recently and thought, oh, that's not really for me. I'm, you know, I'm out on my own now and doing my own thing, might even be enjoying sleeping in on a Sunday. But if you're outside of Christ and that collective identity formation that happens when you're rubbing shoulders with those brothers and sisters and you are growing together in an identity uh, which is submitted to Christ, you become vulnerable to a whole lot of stuff. I'll get your thoughts here because, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking people who become vulnerable to issues around uh, sexuality and uh, issues around the sort of political persuasion that they might pick up in some levels of extreme. I mean, are we, are we, are we on the right track here? If you're outside of this formation of your identity, uh, you're vulnerable? Absolutely, Neil. I couldn't couldn't agree more. Um, and look, I think we're all vulnerable to that, Christian or Christian or otherwise. And and this is why the the identity in Christ uh, has to take precedence, um, because it's the as we've been saying, it's it's sure, it's secure, um, and having having that, I think, does protect us from from the various other <laughs> um, um, pressures and pulls that come our way in society to. To, to, vine, to define ourselves um, in, in, in various other ways. And, and you know, we, we, we talk so much about identity politics uh, in, in the West today and in Australia today. Um, so much talk, obviously, around sexuality as well, too. And we could have a, several more hours unpacking all that. But, but what it points to is that, is that identity and trying to figure out who am I is such a such a massive issue in our culture today where we're really we're really lost and 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 trying to figure out who am i where do i fit and, and what group do i do i tie myself to and we're seeing all the various um all the various um uh, fallout and, and and problems because of that and so that's why I think in our, our culture today of this identity politics, this uncertainty about who I am and trying to form myself, we need more than ever the, the, the truth that there is a, there's a sure and certain and the best identity is to be found in Christ, in the God of the universe who made you. And he says, I love you and I delight in you. Let's take another call. Jessica is in Adelaide. Hey, Jessica, welcome along. Hi, how are you going? Good. What are your thoughts? Um, oh, yeah, I just want to say thank you for the talk this morning because it was really encouraging because at the moment um, I work um, in myself. Um, my family's gone through a bit of, uh, not hardship, but just 
um, different things were happening. So my my dad's still working because um, both my parents were born um, in the late late 1950s, and so they um, both of them went to uni, and and dad's an in, a railway signal engineer, and then mum's mum was a teacher. So growing up, I was like. I was really inspired to be um, a teacher like mum, but unfortunately, um, I was uni. I struggled with uni, so I ended up working in childcare, and that's been really good. But last um, over, over years, I've also had struggles with anxiety and depression as well. But I'm also a Christian, so that's really helped in my um, growth journey. But it's also um, like being able to lean on to God, but the the thing that stuck to me is the whole like even when you go to church and stuff and helping out, it's you still say when you're coming to church, same thing. But um, it tends to go about yeah, I I work with young children, and and the other thing I was going to say is um, I I'm very focused in, in working in childcare, but. Um, stuff around the, around the house, not so good at. So I struggle with that sometimes in terms of work. So, yeah. Jessica, thank you so much for calling in, sharing those things. Uh, Andrew, your thoughts for Jessica? Yeah, no, Jessica, thank you. Really appreciate you sharing that. And just out of interest, uh, my, my dad was a civil engineer too and my mother was a teacher, so there you go. But look, I think I think what you share is um, is, is spot on. Um, and it is it is sad when perhaps this we still feel this pressure to, to prove ourselves through our work, even within the Christian community. And, and, and I have felt that too, and I've perhaps at times done things that hasn't hasn't helped um, brothers and sisters who, who might feel that burden at church. And it's why, as a, as a Christian community, we've got to got to keep um, reminding ourselves of where our where our ultimate identity and value and worth is found, and um, and uh, and not uh, not fall into the patterns of um, seeking to prove ourselves to one another there too. But thank you for thank you for sharing that, and wonderful to hear that story, uh, Jessica in Adelaide. Thank you so much for your call. I do have to put a line under any more calls. Time is now running short. Uh, Andrew, this weekend on Saturday, how easy is it for listeners, wherever they might be listening, might not be near one of those capital city hub centres, how easy is it for everyone to be able to participate and really get something good out of this Life at Work conference on the weekend? Oh, look, very, very easy, Neil. You just head to the the website you've been mentioning there, citybibleforum.org slash Life at Work Conference, and you can stream this conference from wherever you are in Australia or even overseas. And we're going to be picking up on some of these themes at the conference on Saturday because we're thinking about whom then shall I fear God with you in our work? And and one of the key ways that we address fear perhaps uh, in the work as Christians is knowing who we are in Christ. And so we've got Mike Baird, the former New South Wales Premier. Uh, He's one of the speakers. Um, Other people right around the country. James Veltmeyer, who's a who's a tradie in, in Tasmania. He's going to be bringing his perspective too. And so it'll be a wonderful day of encouragement and uh, hope many of your listeners can join us. Okay, to find out the details, citybibleforum.org and forward slash life at work 
conference and you know just having that citybibleforum.org website uh, just to find out all of the good work that they're doing in the capital cities CBDs all around Australia just amazing uh, Andrew Laird I mentioned he's got a new book it's called I Am What I Do Reshaping Our Understanding of Self and Work uh, no doubt you'll be able to get a link to that on the City Bible Forum website uh, but also no doubt you'll be able to find it at online booksellers wherever and uh, there's another book you wrote too a little while back too uh, Under Pressure How the Gospel Helps Us Handle the Pressures of Daily Work we've been talking about work today it's been so enlightening it is just amazing so Andrew Laird thank you so much for taking this time to share these thoughts with our listeners today on 2020 oh, thank you so much Neil Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.